the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 726. It should be 726. If it's not 726, then I do greatly apologize for it not being the episode that I'm named, but I'm hoping it is 726. And if it isn't 726, then of course, I do greatly apologize. But big up everybody who's tuning in live and big up everybody that's going to be tuning in or listen to this after the fact on the recording side of things. Usually, I don't do these Taz shows live. I try to keep that for the random show, which is where I cover all the comedy stuff. But I thought, you know what? I've got some leftover tabs I need to kind of get through so why not kind of steamroll through some of these topics and stuff via the stream yeah big up Jared Menerick appreciate you bro big up welcome and being a Taz supporter I appreciate you very very much for joining in and becoming a supporter of this lovely old little old crazy nonsense poxy stream as we love to do as we love to do so big up you much appreciate much 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 appreciate so um it's been a bit of a jam-packed week loads of things have happened i'm going to be covering a lot of that later on in a couple of hours in the random show so if you want to hear all that kind of comedy stuff then please kind of tune back later i've got a scheduled stream for that so you should be able to see that on my channel and then check that out for all the comedy stuff and i think i've got a list of topics in the description too so you can see what i'm going to be talking about in that pod that's going to be coming very very soon but for now we're going to dive on deep into the cultural side of things because you know what i am that kind of cultural type of guy in it that's what i basically am so First things first, I want to mention, um, most of you won't care because it's stuff that's only kind of really interests me and clearly because this is a podcast, I'm going to start talking about the things that I'm interested in. Um, Burger 19th birthday is happening, right? It's going to be coming up very, very soon. It's happening in December and I'm pretty sure it's December the 9th. I'm going to be double checking my listings here. And there's a lot of conversation online that I've seen via the Bergheim community subreddit and a few other places and stuff such as the telegram which they've got a really te- a really good telegram group actually if you search for it I think it's just called like Berlin members or something I forgot what it's called but there's a few of them on telegram if you're not on telegram definitely jump on there there's a really good few communities on there and I think it's great because the people there give a shit and the mods take care of the little community so there's a people that are coming and spam and do random stuff on there and post some very disturbing pictures and get the fucking you know the group nuked but usually they do a really good job of kind of keeping everything streamlined there's actually a really good one i forgot the name of it is that's only open or only allows you to post publicly on there from like friday to sunday or friday to monday which is obviously the days that burger is open and there's some others are open all the time but they're pretty good but regardless anyway there's a lot of conversation 
information online that I've seen um, about this 19th birthday for Burkhardt and it's coming very, very soon around people being very worried, very, very worried and perturbed about the flipping queue system, right? Because if any of you guys have been there, if you haven't been there, Burkhardt is obviously one of the most famous clubs in the world. And obviously when it's a special celebration, like a 19th birthday, the, the, the demand to get in there is crazier than it usually is. And the queues are insane. Like the last one I went to, which was a Sylvester, um, which happened when, which is, uh, I'm going to say that might have been, I think it was a, basically a Sylvester's like their kind of New Year's Eve, New Year's Day thing. But I think they missed out on the, on the year that I went because of COVID. So they kind of did it the following um, you know, middle of, they did it in the middle of the month, basically, middle of the year, around June or something like that. And I went to go to one, right? And that was the first time I've been to a, a special event at Bergheim for a long time. And I forgot what it was like. And obviously, I got myself kind of, you know, um, caught in the queue that was like four plus hours. And that's the longest I've ever had to wait in that place. And it helped that I wasn't really looking at my phone. I was just kind of, you know, I had some random playlist playing on my phone. I wasn't really checking the time too much. I was just kind of perusing around the environment, talking to randoms in the queue. So I wasn't that aware of the time. I think if I was aware of the time, I probably would have left. But I don't think I would have anyway, because naturally that queue as well isn't, you know, I've not been in crazy long ones, but I've been in ones that you have to wait for a while. And the problem with that queue is that you're usually quite near the front or you can see the door because there's no, you know, there's nothing kind of blocking your path unless you're like queuing around the corner. You can always see where the end of the queue is or you can always see at the front of the queue, sorry. So you always have this slight hope that you're going to be near it. So I was queuing it for four hours and obviously I ended up getting in, which was obviously great, but it's not something I want to repeat. But one thing that happens quite often during special events, one thing that happens quite often during special events is that people like to queue cut. I'm not too sure about you guys, but I'm not a very violent person. I'm not a very angry person. I think I'm quite even killed for the most part. But one thing that will make me fly off the handle and go crazy and kick a baby down the street or punch a woman in the face or throw a, a handicapped person off their fucking wheelchair is if they cut, if they cut the queue. If they cut the queue in front of me, I don't care if you're disabled, if you're a child, if you're a woman, I'm going to put my hands on you. I'm going to get very angry. I'm going to get very violent. I'm going to get very shouty and I'm going to do some things that will probably, end, you know, land me in prison in some regard. I just cannot stand it. And I don't know what it is about me with cues. It's my little trigger. I don't know if it was because of the years of being a sneakerhead and being into Supreme and being into Bape where I had to queue outside of stores. And, you know, I'm not sure about you guys, but when I was younger and I was going to all these stores to queue up, there was like a little group of guys who were like a bit older than us. At the time, we thought they were like 50 or something, but they were probably only in their late 20s. But they were older than us and they had more connections to the store. Like they knew the people inside of, uh, that worked there, sorry. They obviously spent more money than us, so they got preferential treatment. But they would always come in like big time us at the queue. So we'll be queuing outside of these stores, out of these shops for like, you know, sometimes two days. We'll be going to McDonald's to get fucking breakfast for each other, doing the breakfast runs. We'll be fucking shivering in the cold in fucking tents and sleeping bags overnight, staying up the whole night, not sleeping, all this nonsense, only to have all these older dudes, these older quote unquote cooler guys rock up in the morning and just jump the queue, right? It used to always fucking drive me crazy. And I think that kind of PTSD from that queue days of queuing up for sneakers and hype streetwear stuff has now carried over and now in my adult life when i'm going to clubs and stuff the last thing i want is for some cat head right some fucking ghb bunny right some fucking cat monster some coke fiend some mdma fucking wally to jump in front of me while i've been waiting patiently outside in the fucking cold for fucking four plus hours and it's going to be even worse 
this one I'm going to on the 9th of December, usually the months of, you know, the months between like, well, let's say September all the way until February are usually the coldest months in Berlin, right? Or in Germany, I guess, overall. It's bitterly cold, probably even more so here in, in London. The cold actually cuts to your bones. And usually if it's colder, um, you don't get a lot of tourists. So the crowd will probably be a lot, be a lot better than it usually is for a kind of celebration thing. Because usually celebrations happen in the summer. Usually in the summer, a lot of tourists go there. A lot of the people from, you know, out of town or whatnot go there too. There's a lot of like pent up, like, oh my God, this is the best party ever type of thing. A lot of like Project X type of vibes. You know, too much expectation, too much entitlement, too much, just too much. And it ends up not being a good night. Most likely this will be a really good party. That's a really you know bittersweet thing about this all the hype that people are having around it is justified because the lineup isn't too bait it's not full of like you know all the fucking bait people that you see on tiktok and twitter and shit it's a kind of heads lineup it's kind of different rooms different type of vibes so it's gonna definitely you know all four rooms actually fucking open right from burger and panorama bar um hail to saw all fucking open so it's definitely gonna be a barnstormer but keep your head on the swivel because people are going to be cutting the queue on this evening more than you've ever seen in your life. So what I advise for you, if it's going to be your first time going there, I advise for you, my advice for you personally would be this. The people at the front, the bouncers, they're not really looking what's going on in the queue. They're keeping an eye on who's in, at the front of them in their line of sight, but they're not really paying too much mind what's happening at the back. So they're not going to help you. You have to help yourself. And your other ravers around you, the people in front and behind you, most of them don't really care what's going on behind or in front of them. They don't, they don't care what's going on behind or in front of them. They just want to make sure they get in so they're all keeping quiet. They're all trying to pretend they're not high. They're all trying to clench their jaws to make sure it's not swinging. They're making sure their eyes are not dilated. You know, pupils aren't diluted, dilated properly too, too much, whatever. So you have to look after yourself. And what I say about looking after yourself is this. Don't allow anyone to cut in front of you. If that means you have to get into a shouting match with somebody, do it. The bouncers aren't going to care. And if they do come over and ask you, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys shouting? You can calmly explain to them that this mongoloid tried to cut in front of you in the queue. You should honestly, honestly, honestly say that. You should never let anybody, anybody cut in front of you in any way shape or form personally for me i feel like that kind of a front is too much i can't take it especially if you've been like i'm a patient person i never i'm never gonna ask somebody hey can i go in front of you i'm, I'm going there on my own volition i'm queuing up because i want to go to the club so i'm already embarrassing myself as a man as a human being by leaving a warm home by leaving my warm country my nice life to travel how many distance i am how many hours to go stand in front of a dumb nightclub right it's already it's already redacted right it's already redacted it's already already super super redacted that i'm doing this in the first place don't then now make the situation far worse by jumping in front of the queue and acting as if my presence doesn't fucking matter no that's not cool let's all be friends here if you came in late you stand at the back you stand behind me just kind of obey the laws of the queue but you should never ever let anybody cut in front of you and i've seen so many things happen i've i've legitimately had shouting matches with people in the queue like screaming at each other and it's been quite embarrassing when you scream at each other about queue thing you tell the person to go fuck off at the back and then you see them inside you know it's a bit awkward don't get me wrong but I'm not letting anybody jump in front of me in the queue. I'm just not going to allow it. I just cannot allow it. There's something in my body, in my physiology that just doesn't allow it, bro. I just can't do it. So I guarantee, so for you, if you're new or if you're going to go or if you're not new and you've been before, I would say if you can't get into a shouting match with somebody and tell them to go fuck off to the back of the queue, the least you could do is a little silent war. I've done this once before. If somebody jumps in front of you, just silently walk in front of them. 
most likely if you do that, the person that you both walked in front of is going to say something now. They can be like, oi, what's going on? And you can calmly turn around and say, this person walks in front of me, so I'm walking in front of them. Then turn back around and let the person walk in front of you, have an argument with the person that was behind, that was in front of them. That's a kind of a little, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a bit 4D chessy that move, but it, it can work sometimes. Or you can just do what I do sometimes where I just, I just, I just adopt the big black bouncer mode and I just start swinging from side to side like dark side feel, right? On the X, Y, on the X, Y axis. I just start swinging from side to side. I start fucking, you know, punch, punching the palm of my hand on the inside, you know, acting like as if I'm, <laughs> as if I'm like a bit twisted, you know, there's something wrong with me, as if I'm going to snap any moment, right? That black man rage. I just start doing that. And then sometimes I can intimidate the atmosphere around you and make people think you're a bit scary. That can work sometimes too. But whatever tactics you can do to make it, you know, to get it over and done with, do so. Because the last thing you want is to be waiting all this time in Bergheim, right? Imagine you're waiting outside to get inside this fucking exclusive club you want to get into. It's hard to get in there. Entry's fucking... Oh, yeah, big up um, Fashion Roadman. Just seeing you. Wagwanji. Big up the chat as well, everybody in here. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you. Make sure you smash the like button down below. That'd be greatly appreciated if you're enjoying the stream. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um... Just imagine you're kind of standing outside, right? You're standing in a queue, you're doing your thing. And you imagine that you don't get in. It's worse if someone jumps in front of you because they're going to make you wait outside longer and you're still not going to get in. So I would prefer it to speed up the process. So I'm going to say to you, hey, don't jump in front of me. I want to I wanna find out quickly if I'm going to get in or not, but I don't want you to add to my time outside. That's another rationale for standing up for yourself. But I do recommend people do because I've got a feeling this coming up fucking Bergheim is going to be really, really, really crazy with a queue. People are going to be going nuts. So I want people to be prepared for it. I want people to be aware of what's going to happen. I also want to give you some advice in terms of standing up for yourself. And I also want to say for the most part, even if you're scared, oh, if I stand up for myself, the bouncer are going to see they're going to chuck me out. Trust me, they're not watching. They're not watching. They're not paying attention. There's too much things going on in that club for them to be paying attention to every little microaggression or little cutting things going on. It's not really their responsibility. It's really ours, to be fair. They shouldn't be going up and down the line policing people. We should be already grown up enough to kind of respect the queue, you know? But we shouldn't be jumping in front of people. But I guarantee you, if you see me in that queue and someone jumps in front of me, it's going to be a war. I'm going to be going UFC on that person. I swear to God, it's going to get crazy. But I'm hoping it doesn't because I just want to go and party. I want to see who I want to see because like I said before, the lineup is fucking crazy. I actually prefer the fucking panel room lineup to the main room. I think the panel lineup is fucking bonkers. But the queue situation is going to be nuts. And I pray for everybody that's going. I pray for every single person that's going. Talking about praying and talking about people that are going. Maybe this is me. Hey, maybe just me. Am I the only person that gets a little bit annoyed when people online post these like public declar not declarations, these public notices and posters of like, hey, I lost this thing. Can you guys help me, please? Especially when it involves a nightclub. Like for me personally, as a as a man, right, as a dude, as a patron, as a raver, if you go outside and you happen to lose something during your fucking drug-fueled, booze-filled evening of dancing from side to side, oots, 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 that's kind of your responsibility. That's kind of your own fucking, you know, it's, it's your own fault. It's no one else's fault that you lost your keys, you lost your hat, you lost your scarf, you forgot to get your umbrella, whatever else you fucking dropped or wallet, 
that is you on you you have to just take that on the chin and keep it moving there are occasions where you can maybe go to the lost and found dignified right you can go online because most clubs have a little lost and find section you go on their website you find out what the lost and found is you find out what time it's open or if you have to email them you email them but these public declarations like this from the dj arm who i'm a big fan of on innovations posting that he lost his necklace whilst he was playing in Bergheim. it's like bro if this necklace is has this much sentimental value to you why are you wearing it when you're djing in a nightclub anyway and if it is that sentimental, why are you not looking after it with your life? That like life depends on it. When you're in a place like fucking Bergen, where literally hundreds of thousands of people are passing through those doors throughout the entirety of its time being open, maybe even millions. Who knows? In terms of the total amount of people that are going in and out all the time, I just find these public posts really odd and really bizarre. It's almost like you're putting the responsibility on find. Yeah, you're okay to go outside and get crazy and do what you need to do and lose your things. And then when you lose it, you're putting the onus on the punters, the ravers, the regular people to go find your thing or to be good Samaritans and hand it back in again. It's odd. Um, and here's, here's the caption. It says, lost in um, Bergheim Panorama Bar moment. I'm for Indivision. I had a great night opening Panorama Bar last Saturday. I like you had to say he had a great night. Okay, cool. Sure. Unfortunately, I lost my chain. A personalized, customized item of priceless value to me. If anyone knowing of its whereabouts, helping me to retrieve it, I'm happy to reward fairly. What, is, what does a fair reward mean? So you lost something that is of priceless value to you through your own, you know, what you called? Through uh, your own lack of attention, whatever care it may be. And then you're saying that you're only willing to pay a fair reward. What's a fair reward? If this is priceless, you should be saying, I'll pay anything with, with, within reason to get this back or something. Not a fair reward. Come on, bro. Please send a message when you have it or have helpful leads. Thank you, Christian. And again, I'm a big fan of Arm, aka Christian. I like the guy, but I find these public declaration things so odd and so weird. Um, if you're going to go get crazy and shit, go get crazy, but then also be responsible with your items. Why are you asking the regular punters to fucking find it for you? You know what I mean? It doesn't really it doesn't really work for me in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Tommy even Tommy the get back says the comment here, which I was thinking, it's almost slightly like a little bit of a humble brag, isn't it? I wouldn't say in this case it's a humble bread because it's a DJ. Again, he could have lost it any number of ways. He could have legitimately been playing, was a bit sweaty or felt a little bit constrict, you know, constrained, took it off, put it on the side of the booth, and then somebody took it. That could be a thing. Most likely, you know, I could imagine a scenario where he was fucking, you know, maybe doing a couple of fucking, you know, Colombian lines with a nice young lady or man. And then in the exchange of that happy-go-lucky time, hey, oh my God, I love your chain. Do you love it? Oh my God, yeah. Why don't you try it on? It'll look kind of cute on you. You put it on somebody and then that person goes missing. That could be a, that could be one of the solutions. Um, one of the scenarios, sorry. There's plenty of reasons where this could easily be lost, lost or sorry, right? Fair enough. I understand it. But surely you should be keeping an eye on your things much better and not, you know, putting a burden or responsibility of finding it onto punters and shit. Like it is what it is. And also, I just find it odd, just, you know, these public things. Because I've seen people post stuff about like scarves that they've lost in Berg. It's like, bro, a scarf. Don't get me wrong. Someone might hand it into Lost and Found. Cool. Good luck in on that. But publicly asking people on Reddits and on forums and on Twitter and stuff to find a scarf that you lost. Like, come on, man. You lost a scarf. If this is me, I just take the L. 
I lost the thing. You know, it is what it is. My my bad. I fucked up. Next time I'm not going to fuck it up again. Next time I'm going to wear a fucking carabrina to put my fucking keys, whatever the, how you pronounce that word is, to latch my keys on. Maybe, maybe next time I'll have like a wallet change for my fucking wallet. Wherever it may be, I'll take the responsibility of losing it and make sure it doesn't happen again. But I'm not going to be online crying and saying, oh my God, I lost this thing. Please help me. It's got, un, it's, what you call it? It's priceless value to me, but I'm only going to offer you a fair amount. It's like, bro, come on, come on, come on, man, come on, come on. It really is weird. Um, and to be honest, maybe it's come from the scenario or the my personal experience of like, I've never, ever had things ever handed in. I can't think of one time. No, actually, I can't think of one time. The one time it was is when I dropped my, what was it? A, was it a camera? No, my keys, actually. I think that must have been. But I went back straight away. I think I was actually leaving, actually. So I was leaving the club. And I went to go get my bike. And luckily I would have, because if, if I didn't have my bike with me, I probably wouldn't have noticed I lost my keys. So I went to go get my bike. Um, I didn't have my keys because my bike lock keys are on the same um, thing with my fucking house keys. And then I quickly ran back into the club and I found my, my keys. But obviously the way I found them is this. When I was walking in, when you walk in and go to clubs, they usually make you take, you know, everything out of your pockets, like you're going through a fucking airport. And I guess I must have just not picked up the keys while I was, when I went inside. Um, and then obviously somebody put them to the side, so I was able to find them really quickly in that regard. But still, if I didn't find them, I'm not going to put a post up on my Twitter or my Instagram saying, guys, I was in E1 the other weekend and I lost my keys. They look like every other set of keys out there, but mine are really special. If you can find them, please give them to me. Like, come on, man, get over yourself, really. It's not that deep, like, if you lose your thing, you lose your thing. It's just to take the L and keep it moving. This idea that people, I don't know, maybe I operate it with the mindset that, you know, I'm in the glass half empty type of thing. And I just think most people are fucking thieves. I just, you know, I've had people still skipping rugs for me. Like I've just recently on my bike, I had some fucking idiot take off my bike, my backlight of my bike. Like it was like a five pound light that I bought from Amazon. Right. They just, you know, a bit of a violation because they touched my fucking bicycle, but they literally took the back back you know the rear light from the red light thing off my fucking bike i was like shit someone actually stole this five pound amazon light i mean it's not even worth much it's whatever so people are hungry out here innit? people need things someone see your scarf they might be on the way home too they might think hold on i'll just i'll use this person's scarf as a fucking thing to keep myself warm or to keep my head from getting wet or shit or they might see your umbrella and use it they might see your keys and think you know what i, I, I like his keychain i'm gonna take that like people just take things so this idea that everyone's going to return to especially a necklace like this because it's actually you know for objectively speaking it's a nice necklace right it's got this nice links on it it's got these cool little gems connections or right? these little um awkward shapes right all these little rough shapes and shit it looks fairly damn nice to be fair i wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if it was some sort of designer thing it looks rather nice i think most people would actually love it so it's like you know expecting people to hand this stuff in is kind of ridiculous if it does get handed in cool but come on just take the l it is what it is next time you make you know you learned a lesson don't lose stuff in clubs simple as that really it's not that hard but hey Maybe I'm the one that's heartless. Maybe I'm the one that's heartless. Who bloody knows? Next on the list, we need to talk about Drake's album, Scary Hours Free. Scary Hours Free. Now, on the surface, the one thing that I was disappointed about 
was the fact that he did that thing that everyone does now. When you put out an EP or you put out a deluxe or whatever, you drop the entire album again on the DSPs. And I don't know about you guys, maybe it's different on Spotify, but I use mostly Apple Music. When you add a song from Apple Music, no, when they do that on Apple Music, for instance, like the regular album, it kind of fucking disappears from the listings. You don't see it anymore. All you see is a, all you see is a, is a is a deluxe, unless you've got the regular on your on your phone saved. When you search for all the dogs, all you will get is a deluxe now. You won't get the regular version without the deluxe on it. So you basically have to download or add both albums. You know, you basically have to have two albums on there, and then maybe individually delete the tracks like I did. So I had to add for the dog scary hours edition, and then remove all the tracks from one to I think to twenty six or something, right? I think it's 1 to 26. No, it's 1 to 23. I deleted 1 to 23 tracks and then kept the six that he that he put out new. And that's the only thing that was kind of annoying. I hate that kind of fobbing of the game. You know, that, that kind of fiddling of the stats and the streams thing that everyone does is fucking annoying. If you're going to put out an EP, just put it out by itself without regurgitating the same tunes again to run up the streams. It's just fucking annoying. But I get it. It works. So it is what it is. That aside, that aside, that six track EP scary hours free right that addition that he added might be some of the best drake work i've heard in a long time it might be his best stuff he's put out in a very 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 long time it was so refreshing so amazing to just hear him just rap to just rap really well for six tracks straight right minimal harmonizing and singing just him going bar for bar for bar for bar verse for verse for verse on every single track and i don't necessarily think i ever have have a favorite i'm gonna be honest maybe i would say if you had to put gun to my head maybe wick man and evil ways might be two of my favorites but i think they all go super 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 hard um, obviously in terms of an interesting story arc i think the stories about my brother is an incredible 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 track it's such a great way to like diss someone like a joe budden but then not actually diss him because i guess the premise of this track is him going through this entire story arc of you know some of these guys that he's known who have kind of been done dirty by guys and that's what turned him into i guess a dog but then in a roundabout way, he kind of insinuates that this is a Joe Budden story. Because if you know anything about Joe Budden, you'd know that he used to date with that girl called Tahiri. And I think that was, you know, he always kind of mentions and says that she was like one of his real true loves. He proposed to her, all this sort of shit. So they had a very complicated up and down sort of like, you know, history and past whatever. And if I'm not mistaken, um, when he when they broke up whenever you know they broke up a number of times but one of the hardest ones to take was when they broke up and she ended up um hooking up with um kevin durant is it kevin durant oh no james harden sorry that's it james harden not kevin james harden she ended up hooking up with james harden the beard and you can imagine what that would do to a male you know to a man's ego especially in america those type of dudes right when your ex-girlfriend ends up dating one of the hottest NBA stars out here who's known to be, you know, a, a literal stick man. So that probably didn't really resonate or kind of sit well with him at that time. And um, obviously Joe Budden got a hold of this information and wrapped it into, I think, kind of into the story about my brother, which was also really good. Um, Red Button was a stellar way to kind of introduce what he was going to say i think he went probably the hardest on red button maybe either ways probably was another one too but he went so 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 hard on red button legitimately one of my favorite i think drake verses of maybe all time i'm not gonna lie like this opening verse is 
so 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 good i swear to god um the most of the i read here from genius the most decorated competition decimated my drive is dedicated your drive is designated niggas got you on the spot then you separated reasons for it speculated we know how it escalated rarely celebrated grade 11 educated radio is king again audio is king remember that guys billboard got me regu regulated want to make it fair for you numbers that i generated do right and kill everything people knew that death awaited taylor swift the only nigga that i ever rated <laughs> oh come on <laughs> too good only one could make only one could make me drop an album just a little later rest of y'all i treat like you never made it leave your label devastated even when you pad the stats period i never hated even when you stabbed me in the in the back um the vest is metal plated right the, the, and i think when i when i hear that stab you in the back thing the thing that I, on that honestly comes to mind is mostly the julius caesar story right the julius caesar assassination how he was lured into um that situation and essentially stabbed in the back by some of his closest and dearest i fucking love that i, I flipping love it um trying to see a bee inside my circle like i'm getting graded man all this luggage in the lobby like i'm getting traded every time you need me for a boost i've never hesitated every time that yeezy called a truce he had my head inflated thinking we're gonna finally piece it up and get to levitating realize that everything is premeditated that's quite a fucking tragic bar especially being a fan of both Ye and drake because essentially he seems like what drake's insinuating here is that he doesn't actually mind piecing it up with Ye with kanye he actually wants doesn't would like them to be cordial or be friends at least so they can actually get back to working and creating memorable musical moments because their ongoing beef or you know kanye's inability to let go of whatever drama they had and move on has really robbed us of some really great collabs between the both of them whether it's him, you know, whether it's Drake writing for Ye, whether it's Ye producing a track for them or him or them two going back to back or making a tape together. It's really, un, you know, it's really sad that we don't get much from them because of the current static going on. But it seems that Drake is basically saying, hey, I would actually like to be friends, but every time I try and do it, you know, it's another scheme from Kanye to, to do something. So it's never real. So I'm just going to stay away from him. And, you know, we can probably understand, especially the, you know, the state that Kanye is in at the moment. He's probably not the best frame of mind to actually piece it up properly because he's got so many things going on. It continues. Everyone was good with me. Then everyone expressed and invaded. Taking time bomb, they begging me to detonate it. If I press this red button, dog, everybody heaven gated. Oh, you know about heaven's gate cult. Press this red button, dog, every, everything forever changes. Word to M dollar, she the only one that could have saved it. Should have hit you first, but sis, you know that shit I've taken. Um, niggas think I'm sweet, but I'm not a diabetic patient. Did you hear that? niggas think i'm sweet but i'm not a diabetic patient no i'll start blacking out like it's a segregation i'll fucking double crush you niggas like it's meditation like oh. <laughs> this is the best version of drake honestly when he gets into he probably doesn't like it there's probably a part of him i think similar to like that weekend interview that i always speak about when the weekend put out Kissland um he was talking about how his fans hated it right kissland i think that was one of the most um you know i think you know i think that divided opinion kissland amongst the weekend fan base and the reason why was because a lot of us kind of were in love with the weekend because of his house of balloons era music so kissland was his sort of first foray into trying to be a pop star 
I remember he had mentioned in the interview when he was trying to do Kissland because I think that's when he first started working quite heavily with Max Martin and stuff, right? That legendary um, pop star writer guy who writes a lot of the big hits out there. And he basically was saying that, hey, actually writing, you know, making music, making pop music that, gen that the general public would like, like normally people would like, is actually harder than doing the, you know, the House of Balloons type music for him. He says he could basically, you know, make six different house of balloons with his eyes closed but actually trying to write a banger pop record that regular mums and whatever will like across the world is actually much harder of a creative challenge of an artistic challenge and maybe that's the same thing with drake maybe drake actually feels like he can do you know this scary hours free with his eyes closed because if you if you believe him from what he said in the little trailer that he put out um, prior to the release of this tape he said that he only wrote these lyrics in the last week none of this has been pre-recorded he actually made this entire thing in a week or something like that like this wasn't stuff that was left behind that was on the cutting room floor that he forgot to add to the album allegedly all this stuff was made within the last seven days of the of the release of the fucking album which is scary right to think that he just put this out on a whim like fuck it let's go let's fucking go and he ugh, delivered, you know, to say the least. He says, yeah, um, I could tell you better than I show it. It's a demonstration. Um, I'll fucking leave you in the dirt like some vegetation. Chemicals is mixing in my brain and killing hesitation. I will fucking force a few shots like a vaccination. Niggas calling me up to cap. This is not a graduation. I will fucking put your ass on pause like I'm Pastor Mason. I'll set alarm off because a whole evacuation. I'll fucking, I'll fucking, I'll get you 10 years from now like a procrastination. And I think that's most of a push a T this probably, right? Like he's never going to forget that this, that, that beef. He's going to get him back eventually. I'll fucking find out wherever y'all celebrating, pull up, park my phantom on the curb like I'm Larry David. And then we'll see who's really crazy. I don't know what this park up my phantom on the curb is. Uh, this Larry, what's this Larry David line? What are they saying on Genius about this? I don't really, what's that? Did he do that in episode of Larry David? I don't really know. Maybe it's something that we kind of find out. But yeah, um, like I said, whole absolute EP add-on full of absolute bangers. Um, I really did enjoy listening to this one. It kind of dropped eventually in the gym. I was absolutely going crazy. No, actually, I listened to this at home first. I didn't listen to the gym straight away. And obviously, I kind of carried this over into the gym. It was only like, if I'm not mistaken, once you take away all the other tracks, it's about it's about 35 minutes length, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely one of my favorites. And then the other one that I really liked on the album is Wickman. I think, is this produced by Conductor 2? Let me actually see the listings here on Genius. Is this a Conductor B or Alchemist? Who did this? Oh, Alchemist. So Alchemist produced this one. What's the other ones? Um, produced by Vinyls and Boy Wonder for Evil Ways. You Broke My Heart was done by Vinyls. And then I'm guessing Red Button. Is that done by Conductor? No. Con oh, really? Red Button was done by Little Yatty in a person called Overcast. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, conductor did um, stories by my brother and then the shoes fit was done by over so little yeah produced two again this is why people need to put some respect on little yeah name people was uh, acting as if like the little yeah inclusion in drake's creative process was the reason why they didn't like the previous album for the dogs but clearly it's showing that maybe he just didn't like the album it was just an excuse to hate on the yeah because he came through and produced two of the six or co-produced two of the six records on here and two of them are two of the strongest records on there also so you can definitely can't say that he is you know um that he is a negative influence on him but clearly one of the best ones for sure was evil ways with j cole 
I think the reason why this was really impressive was because having listened to J. Cole's interview with Lil Yachty on his show, um, I think it's called Safe Space. It's on YouTube. It's a podcast that he does with his friend Mitch. It was a really good interview. One of maybe the better J. Cole interviews that I've seen. Um, it always makes a big difference when, an, when a, 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 an, an artist of J. Cole's caliber is interviewing with another artist. You just get a far better interview, especially because J. Cole is far older than... Um, then Yai, so he obviously, uh, you know, approaches it in a more of a mentor, big brother type of role thing. So it ends up being a really awesome conversation because it turns into basically a mentorship thing and we're just flies on the wall listening in. So it was a really cool interview. But one of the things that came out from that interview was Kendrick, no, was um, J. Cole mentioning the Kendrick um, relationship and the collaboration and the rumored tape that they were going to put out that never came out. And J. Cole basically saying, hey, we don't really have any music um, out there that hasn't been put out there that's worth people listening to. We're both really busy. But if we do lock in, it'll be really good. But we have to make it real. For real, for us, we probably, you know, a lot of work has to go into make it work. And it reminded me how good they sound together. But hearing Drake and J. Cole go back to back, you know, Kendrick, you know, doing his own thing at the moment. I'm starting to feel like I I might want to see a Drake and J. Cole um, collaboration mixtape before I see a Kendrick and J. Cole one, to be honest, because they sound really good together when they're going back to back. Like this Evil Way song is just so good. Seeing them trading bars one for the other is just fucking amazing. Um, it starts off with, yeah, I got some Evil Ways. Even through the glasses, you could see the gaze. To find your way up to the top, this shit's gonna be a maze. Volkswagen shit, the way I'm running Beatles plays. <laughs> Come on, bro. Drake just spazzed down another bar. Another one. Jayco comes in. Volkswagen shit the way I'm running these Beatle plays. Um, no, yeah. Jayco comes in here. Yeah, and we link it like we free the slaves. I conquered hell, walked the veil, and set my feet ablaze. My heart hardens every year like sneakers that Adidas made. I never did the VMAs. I'm not in need of praise. Like, come on, bro two bars already and you're like okay cool all praise to the born sinner jesus slaves um born sinner like the little you know j cole kind of entendre there my brother's running through the six like the green berets beefing with the block that's 500 feet away will of fortune shit the way they say they need a k <laughs> come on nah oh i need a raise and a safe to stash these free lays times were hard i watched my mama rubbing pool just to get peter paid and now my paper folded like when teachers don't want the classmates to see your grade time is spending now i see the grades poking out of this beard but it's weird because i feel like i ain't even age y'all see the rage feet firmly planted on these precious flowers i've been handed match me match me be the vase <laughs> anyway i'm not gonna go too much into it um the bars are crazy probably some of drake's best work um people are suggesting that this is the consequence of joe budden going after him and saying what he said about scary hours free possibly i think so um but i don't think it's more so him trying to prove i think it's more so him maybe feeling a little bit disrespected he probably thinks hey i'm taking chances i'm out here i'm one of the top artists out here i, I still release basically every other year i'm doing collaborations i'm doing singles i'm just so i'm doing features i'm haven't disappeared because you, you mentioned it again in that skit about people like i think drake's got a really a big bone to pick about people who are you know at the top of their game but decide to kind of purposely do the whole disappearing thing it kind of really does rub him up the wrong way because i guess he kind of credits he kind of 
puts a lot of credence in still being quote-unquote active so he probably thought of it as quite disrespectful that he's the one artist that is really active especially in that level and he's the one that's being scrutinized the most and his intentions are being questioned or whatever it may be and he's probably just having fun of it at this time because he just knows that at the top of his game he's you know he's probably not going to fail anytime soon so this addition that he added was probably just a reminder like you know, like I, like I think I mentioned on Twitter before, like it's like that meme or it's like that, you know, it, uh, legendary interview of Jose Mourinho where he was at Man United about respect. You know what I mean? Put some respect to my name. I know, I'm, I know you might think, you know, you have reason to be biased of what you know about me, but remember, I'm still that guy. I'm still him. And I think this is Drake's reminder, more so as a, less so as a proof to like a Budden person, like a Joe Budden, hey, I'm still here. Blah, blah, blah. I think it felt more like a, hey, let me just remind you guys that I'm still that guy. And I think he did it. I think he did it. That's six out of six. That's a banger. Um, there is maybe a counter argument to that. Some fans could probably sit there and say, um, is he being lazy with the previous ones? Because this obviously sounded like he was hungry. It sounded like he had the point to prove, a reminder to put out there. So maybe there is a, you know, uh, there is a point to be had if you say, oh, was the previous projects just a cash grab? Were they just him going through the motions? Does he not care about his fans? Is he not giving us his best work? Maybe that is part of it, but I don't think that's fair. I just think, you know, after a certain level, once you, you know, Drake's basically won it all, achieved it all, it's probably hard to find the motivation to kind of keep you going anyway. So maybe it's not even like a conscious thing of like not being motivated to the top of your game. Maybe it's just something that you just do because, you know, you find it easy, you put it out, people lap it up, it is what it is. But then when you do have a lot of people maybe criticizing you, maybe you want just to remind them that, hey, I'm only doing this for fun. If I get serious, this is what it's about. I don't want to do it serious because I, I don't I don't care. But this is what level I'm on if I do get serious. So that was a good reminder to put out there. And for me, um, you know, being the kind of person that always says, oh, he doesn't have a one classic album guy uh, because I still think Drake has a lot of really good projects that are good in patches, but they don't, they're not the most cohesive. I think this might be one of his most cohesive projects he's ever put out legitimately i know it's only six tracks i get it but you know add four more tracks onto this he legitimately this might be one of the most cohesive projects that he's fucking put out in a very 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 long time so big up drake for pointing out there appreciated none never ever ever ignored and i can't wait to hear what else he puts out for us especially going forward and maybe he takes a break from this as well this also might be a good point to actually go on a proper break and just relax and chill and then see where it goes from there so yeah loved it loved every bit about that project and of course most of you know where that is where you can find it for the dog scary hours edition it was actually called scary hours free but i guess now it's not it's been kind of changed to scary hours edition unfortunately you have to re-download or re-add all the other fucking tracks on there to listen to it again but i did the fucking you know the nerdy thing and individually delete all the other tracks i already got them on the other album and listened to the other six and i was really really happy so big up drake for that one big up drake for that one okay moving on from there let's quickly go on to this oh yeah we've got to talk about this as well we have to talk about this so um let me bear with me a second as i get some of these stuff off the screen so i think yo big up stinger guru appreciate you thank you for the super chat my friend i'd give you spoke on it yet yeah yes. thoughts on asap rocky and puma collab yeah it's coming up my friend big up um stinger guru i've got that on the docket it's coming up my friend the puma and asap rocky thing is coming up my friend i've got it on the docket i've got it on the docket so um let's continue on here 
Thank you for the super chat, Thurstinger. Good, appreciate you, brother. So let's continue. So um, most of you will know the drama that's been going on with Diddy. Um, eventually, yes, I think the other day, maybe two days ago, um, Cassie officially put in a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit regarding the years of abuse and alleged rape that she suffered at the hands of P Diddy, which kind of broke the internet for a brief period of time. And then quite soon after, basically the next day, um, now courtesy of New York Times, it says Cassie settles lawsuit accusing Sean Coe's of rape and abuse. So literally the next day, Diddy basically settled outside the court amicably. And I think from what initially we heard on the first lawsuit, that when the lawsuit was initially put forward, sorry, I think the figure that they had was like 30 million. So Cassie was basically um, suing, um, you know, Diddy for 30 mil. And, you know, it's probably within reason to believe that she probably got near that figure some people out there are a bit disappointed i think i saw a lady from danity kane a former artist from danity kane that was speaking and she or maybe making for the band i don't know what it is but she's associated with bad boy and she was a bit upset because essentially diddy's not going to be held accountable for his actions because now legally the matter's kind of over and he's kind of you know they've kind of come to some kind of conclusion and i think her converse or her comment was something along the lines of you know it's always money above accountability but i think with this being a civil suit the aim was always money anyway the aim was always money and obviously to expose the person because you're putting it out there because i think most people myself included you've probably heard rumors of diddy maybe being a bit freaky and whatnot but you never thought it was probably this deep i didn't anyway i never thought that he was all this time abusing cassie and shit maybe there might be um a suggestion of grooming that might be something that you play into but again what is really grooming especially in the entertainment industry you know it, it seems like everybody takes advantage of everybody in some way shape or form just because it's an age thing and it's a male and female doesn't make it different i'm not really too sure but it seems like that whole industry in hollywood or entertainment industry or music industry is a industry that's basically steeped in exploitation and manipulation whatever it may be and some people use it to their advantage weirdly enough which is incredibly toxic but it's hard with the whole grooming thing so i didn't really think that much of it and of course there's people questioning you know did he sexuality and stuff but i never thought it was as deep as you know physical abuse and sexual abuse emotional abuse and rape and shit i never thought it ever go that far i always thought okay maybe he might be a freaky guy he's a bit weird especially with you know his tendency to like not want to like have a conventional relationship always dating these random young ladies and having loads on the go i think when he was dating young miami from city girls he must have got another lady pregnant as well and all this sort of stuff at the same time when you're like in your 60s 50s you already got you already got a million kids just a bizarre way to kind of live your life but again lifestyle choice it is what it is but i never thought it was go as far as the rape and the abuse thing so even if you are somebody that's kind of looking at cassie like sideways and thinking man why do you accept the money you kind of have to think about it from her point of view of like now it's finally out there how abusive and how downright evil diddy is and she also got the bag for it i think that's mission accomplished you expose somebody who not a lot of people had any idea what he did or maybe were intimidated and scared to really talk about the things that he did out in the open. Everybody's sort of aware of it. I honestly think that's probably the best thing in this situation because I mentioned it previous times. I think one of the most egregious things that happen in these situations, especially when, within you know industries and whatnot, is less so about the monsters like Diddy, the monsters like R. Kelly, the monsters like you know whoever else you can mention, the Harvey Weinstein's and stuff. 
I think those guys will always exist. A really disappointing and really disgusting thing, especially if you read the court documents, which I'll probably end up doing on a random show, you'll read the court documents and you'll see various accounts, or you'll see from Cassie's side, basically, um, saying that people from her record label, um, people from Diddy's camp, people from various different places were pressuring her to do certain things. That's the really disgusting side of things for me, more so than the evil person um, who does the act. Yeah, because I think evilness will, you know, evil people, dark-hearted people, abusive people will always exist. The, the the role that we play in society as regular, law-abiding, decent human beings is to call out that shit and shine a light on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and make sure that that stuff doesn't happen again. But we can't turn a blind eye to it. We can't excuse it. Um, we can't bury our head in the sand. We have to address it and call it out. And the fact that she was brave enough to call it out says a lot and obviously because it's cassie no one can really dispute it because she was the only person really who was close to him um in that way you know in the emotional industry for how much long they were together like they were uh, according to the lawsuit like they were together for how long they were together according to a lawsuit they were together I think she dated her when she was like 19 or something. So her first experience, again, this is, you know, imagine how unlucky you have to be, right? You get into the music industry with really lofty goals, with really naive notions of the industry. You're really kind of hopeful about your future, about what you can contribute to the art form, whatever it may be. And the first person you cross paths with is fucking Diddy. How fucking unlucky is that? On one side, I think it's luck, it's good luck because he's like a music, you know, he's a music mogul. He's responsible for all these hit records, blah, blah, blah. But he's also got all of this skeletons in his closet, all of this dark shit that he does. And that's the first person you come in contact with. It must be so horrible. So just imagine how she must have been feeling, right? And then everybody around him is complicit in the crimes. They're turning a blind eye to it. They're making excuses. They're trying to silence her. I think in one of the accounts in the court case, it says something like they threatened to basically not release her music. There was a period in time when she was suffering a lot of abuse from Diddy, physical and stuff, and getting beaten allegedly in the court documents and whatever maybe. And you know it was suggested to her that she should make amends with diddy or her music wouldn't be dropping can you imagine that you could never get away with that nowadays maybe you could i don't know it depends on what label you're on maybe if you're super desperate to make it you'll just maybe not tell anybody but can you imagine getting away with that sort of stuff with people nowadays it would never ever happen man so um let's read the article anyway courtesy of new york times it says cassie sells lawsuit accusing sean combs of rape and abuse Sean Combs, a singer, and the singer Cassie have reached a settlement just one day after she filed an explosive lawsuit accusing the hip-hop mogul of rape, numerous instances of physical abuse. In my opinion, personally, I think this is a mission of guilt. I know that legally they can't say this, and I think once you do reach these sort of resolutions, both parties sometimes do, um, you know, agree on the specific wording. But I think the fact that the lawsuit was dealt with in such a manner so quickly and they reached a settlement outside of court i'm willing to believe most likely she probably ended up with more than 30 million um or and and most likely i think this is a mission of guilt this 100 mission of guilt there's no way if you're diddy and you know what this is going to because the thing about him and i think the thing with most of these self type of things counterculture whatever you may want to call it usually i think 
it's less so about the person ended up in jail and prison. I think one of the best things about it is that it does expose monsters and puts what they do in the shadows in the light because clearly this is something that he was doing for a long time. I don't even think a lot of people even knew that he was addicted to fucking Molly and shit, right? And painkillers, allegedly, right? He was getting fucking Cassie to go and fill out prescriptions and shit to get him painkillers and do Molly all day. You know, I, I never really assumed that. I thought, I thought maybe he might have been on Adderall or something, but I never thought he was on Molly every single day like that, right? But clearly he was of some sort of functioning addict. So I think the good thing about this is that it exposes it and puts it in the light. So these monsters can't do these things in the shadows again because, you know, people are going to show you up. So I think that's one of the best things about this kind of post-Me Too world. It's less so that, okay, let's tear this person down and make them lose their jobs. It's just more so the ability to publicly, quote-unquote, shame people who enjoy doing things under the cloak of secrecy. They actually like it when people don't talk about the certain things they're doing because they can get away with it. Now you can't really get away with it because people are going to be speaking about it. You know I mean, that's one thing I think is kind of maybe a benefit in this. But I definitely think this settlement is an admission of guilt, in my opinion. The parties announced on Friday evening that they had reached an agreement to resolve the case, though they disclosed no details about the terms of the settlement. The quote. I have decided to resolve this matter amicably on the terms that I have lev some level of control. Cassie, whose name is Cassandra Ventura, said in a statement, I want to thank my family, fans and lawyers for their unwavering support. Most likely, this is probably the best, especially if you, if, if you believe, which I do anyway, that she definitely did suffer some level of abuse. I think this makes a lot of sense because what it does is that it puts the situation kind of behind you. You can actually draw a line in the sand and you could also, like she says, step away from the situation on your terms. Because if this court, if this case goes to court, more things are going to come out in the open and maybe there's going to be some stuff that might come out that might, might not paint her in the best light because there's some people already who are, you know, disputing her claims and wondering why does she bring it up now and if she's just trying to look for money, whatever, right? The longer this case goes on, even if you do have a point, because the other side have to defend their client, right? Um, the defense, they're going to obviously go out of their way to muddy the waters and to muddy her name and make her look bad in public. So you don't want all those other things to get out there because it's not necessary. The key to the matter is just the person that abused you and raped you and stuff and you want to get that out there. So I think this is probably the best way to go about things. It continues. In a statement, Mr. Combs said, we have decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Love disgusting for mr combs the settlement quickly shuts down what could have been a risky and potentially embarrassing process of legal discovery in which reams of evidence are made public and a possible trial and miss ventura who's already aired her accusations for a public complaint avoids cross-examination by mr combs's attorneys in a lawsuit that drew international attention miss ventura signed to combs bad boy label 2005 when she was 19 years old and dated him for about a decade accused mr combs of what she said was years of beatings, controlling behavior, and various forms of sexual abuse, including rape. In a response, a lawyer for Mr. Combs, Ben Afram, said Mr. Combs vehemently denies these accusations and outrageous allegations. Sorry. The funny thing about this is the hip-hop media, the silence amongst some platforms regarding this has been quite concerning. Everybody that's out there talking about protect black women and all this sort of nonsense, when it involves someone like Diddy that has actual influence, actual power, who can actually ruin people's lives, suddenly they're all quiet. 
suddenly no one's brave anymore no one wants to stand up for the voiceless everyone now is saying look i'm just praying for i pray for healing that's really fucked up it's with the courts now everyone's basically putting their hands up and trying to wash their hands up it's quite disgusting to see to be honest it also goes to show that these people that call themselves journalists or media figures whatever they have no principles no backbone no moral compass nothing um if the person you know is cutting a good check or is a good look for your career they're going to definitely turn the other way According to Ms. Ventura's suit, which was filed on Thursday of the Frederick Court of Manhattan, Mr. Combs assaulted her numerous times, leaving her bloodied and bruised. She said this, her employee, his employees sometimes took her to hotel rooms for days to recover out of the public eye. And this makes a lot of sense now thinking of it. If you are familiar with Cassie back in the day, she did have a tendency to just disappear. I don't know if you kept up to date with it. I remember there was a time in her career when she was coming up where she would just disappear for like a couple of months. And you wonder, like, where the fuck she gone? And then, of course, now this is all making a lot of sense. Whether it was, you know, her being locked into a room doing free coughs and shit, which was always disturbing. That story, that side of the story was really crazy because we all knew Diddy was freaky, but I never knew he was freaky to the point where he was, you know, hiring male escorts to fuck Cassie and shit, watching as he jacked off in a corner. I didn't know that was kind of his vibe, but allegedly, according to Cassie, that clearly was his vibe. And now it makes sense why she was disappearing because that sort of lifestyle sounds like somebody that likes a party and when you like to party there's a lot of booze a lot of drugs involved and sometimes the best way to do those type of things is just to kind of lock yourself away from society and do it you know behind closed doors behind curtains and in hotel rooms in suites and shit you know really out the way because you're getting into some really dicey 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 shit so that might explain some of her weird absences that kind of came out of the blue it continues in one of the suit's most disturbing allegations mr C mr miss ventura said that for years she was forced to participate in sexual encounters with a succession of male prostitutes as mr combs watched masturbated and recorded videos according to a suit mr combs called these events freak offs and they could take a number of high-end hotels throughout the united states can you imagine? Because there's hotels out there that do have CCTV footage, like secretly in rooms and shit. Can you imagine the amount of hotels that probably have some of that footage somewhere? Someone somewhere definitely has some of that footage. If they've got secret cameras in places, you for sure could think someone somewhere has that footage. And I would bet, you know, a good amount of money that Diddy probably has some of that footage himself, even if he probably would never admit it, that footage is probably somewhere locked in some sort of safe or maybe on his phone and he fucking re-watches it all the time like a fucking freak. Um, according to Miss Ventura's suit, Mr. Combe controlled nearly every aspect of her life, paying for her homes, car, clothes and other necessities and even had access to her personal medical records. The suit says Miss Ventura never went police because she feared he would merely give Mr. Combs another excuse to hurt her. That's a really interesting side of things, which I never thought of when it comes to control, right? Paying for somebody's life, basically by force making them indebted to you. Sort of similar to like a, a, a pimp's relationship with prostitutes, right? With these girls, quote unquote. Like you basically pay for everything. You make them totally dependent on you so they can't go anywhere else. I never really thought of that as a form of control because nowadays girls like that because that's how to be a boss bitch. That's how to kind of trick off a nigga, all that sort of stuff, right? That's how to live the soft life. It's basically be somebody that your whole life is dependent on another dude, which is really odd. But I always found it interesting 
how those same women who are willing to submit themselves to a man like that and have them pay for everything are also the same ones who get really touchy when a man expects some sort of sexual favors for that deal. If they if, if they're willing to fly you out private, they're willing to buy you all these Hermes, all these shoes and bags, but then they have the suggestion to you that hey, why don't you give me a blowjob every day? Or why don't you know I want to fuck now? Suddenly they're doing too much. Suddenly they're being creepy. Suddenly they're stepping over the line. It's like, wouldn't you expect that to be a regular kind of request or regular exchange from people who are complicit in that sort of lifestyle? You would expect that to be true, wouldn't you? But who knows? We just move on for that one. Mr. Combs, who's died bad boy nine nine three, became one of the most powerful and successful figures in hip hop industry, working with stars like Torres B.I.G., Mary J. Blige, helping to transform rap music and culture into a global pop phenomenon and a major business. Still, his rise to fame has been dotted with allegations of violence, including that he and his bodyguards um, beat a rival music um, executive, Chris Steve Stout, with a champagne bottle and other items. Now, one thing I have to say is this. I think it is kind of true. I kind of understand why people in media now are finding it very hard to talk about this because now we've seen with some level of evidence and certainty that Diddy is quite a dangerous person and not just to women. He's dangerous overall. He's willing to fight. Like allegedly had a scrap with J. Cole, allegedly had some sort of altercation with Drake. Obviously there's the connection with him and Tupac's death. Then there's the fucking Kid Cudi incident blowing up his car. Like he's willing to actually do stuff to people and he's definitely got the means to do it. And he's clearly got the people around him that are willing to crash out to please him. So I could understand why some people are a bit, you know what, I'm not willing to actually talk about this because this guy is actually dangerous behind the scenes. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Young Fug. When Young Fug was coming up, that was, uh, I think even Charlemagne said it once when they interviewed him first, he was like, I think Charlemagne said like, I know people from Atlanta. Um, you know, I've got people connected to the streets or whatnot. I think he's someone along those kind of lines. And he was basically saying, hey, don't get fooled by this guy in skirts and shit. Young Fug is really... Like he's really about that life. Like he's really putting up numbers in the streets. Like he's he's got bodies, and everyone was caught thinking, "Nah, come on, that can't be true." But then the more he's his his career progressed, and some people started to come out with stories, and you hear some of his lyrics and stuff, you're like, "Oh, Young Fug's actually about this life." So it made sense why he carried himself a certain way, and why people had a certain kind of fear and respect about Young Fug, right? And I think the same goes with goes for Diddy. For a long period of time, people always watch their words around him. They really walk over eggshells when it comes to Diddy. And even something as soft as like his ongoing beef with Mace. Him and Mace have this ongoing dispute about the lack of, you know, um, royalties from some of his records and stuff. And no one really wants to touch that subject. Everyone's a bit like scared to really talk about it because they know what Diddy can actually do. Like he's really about, he's really about that life. So I can understand some of the, trepidation around it but i just think when it comes to abuse of women and it comes to like physical abuse and it comes to stuff like rape you really owe it to yourself to say something if the victim themselves can't speak because they're in the situation and they're scared for their lives and they're just in kind of you know self-preservation mode in that respect then fair but as a man or whatever in that situation you have the responsibility the moral responsibility principled responsibility to speak up and say something like you can't not say something especially even if that's your friend I think like you have to say something like surely there has to be I think all men should have this you know all men should have like a list of things that if their friends did you have to kind of blacklist them I know there's a you know 
I'm not one to like go out there and like publicly chastise your friend that did something wrong. I think that's really unbecoming and whatever to kind of publicly chastise your friend, especially if the crowd or if the mob is baying you to do so. Like they can go fuck themselves. But as a friend personally, you should have a list of things that if a friend did, it's kind of X, it's done. They can never be your friend again. And I think rape should be far up down that list. That should be up. That should maybe be one or two on the list of things if somebody does something like i would even go as far as saying that i could probably forgive a friend for a murder before i could forgive a rape because a murder could happen off the back of you maybe trying to get vengeance for someone killing a member of your own family do you know what i mean and that's for my opinion that's completely justified or if that person fucking god forbid diddled a, a member of your family and you went to go and you know take take them out that I could that I could forgive and understand about rape. There's no understanding. There's no explanation that can make that justifiable. So you, if you had to be that person, you have to be like, yeah, I'm going to excommunicate you. If you do rape, you're done to me. Or if someone does rape, I have to speak up. And the fact that they don't speak up is really deplorable, to be fair. And it puts and the thing that's really disgusting about it is that it puts so many other people in at risk. You know, that's what it does. So many people become more at risk because of people's unwillingness to speak up about these issues. That's a really sad bit about this whole thing. Um, but hey, um, we continue here. Last thing to talk about here, even with the state, even with the statement, however, the damage to Mr. Combs' reputation and legacy has been substantial. In the days since Ventura's suit has been filed, past allegations of violence and abuse have resurfaced, and various musicians have publicly signaled their support for Cassie. In a statement, Douglas Wigdor, a lawyer for Cassie, said, "I am very proud of Cassie for having the strength to go public with her lawsuit. She ought to be commended for doing so. Of course, she deserves all the credit. Imagine holding on to that for so long, because you have to give her credit too." She hasn't come out and said anything about Diddy beforehand. She didn't go on the podcast tour. She's not on the shade room. She's nowhere. She completely excommunicated herself and then that she went the complete opposite way she found herself a nice well-to-do white guy they've settled down they're married they've got two kids like she went the complete opposite of hip-hop she doesn't want anything to do with it whatsoever clearly and i understand why because it's been completely tainted to her so the fact that she now decided at this moment in time where it seems like she's at peace the most to bring all this up again and even if it's monetarily going to be beneficial the the, the the emotions about it still are going to be quite hard to fucking contribute and to kind of you know to work around because you're digging this all up again and you're the one that went through it so it's never going to leave you doesn't matter how much money you get you know people always talk about the money thing but it's like bro if you've been raped like no amount of money could ever make that okay so um it's still going to be quite hurtful but the fact that she was willing to do it and risk people you know talking about her in a weird way again or defending him says a really a big deal about her so big up her she's got bigger balls than a lot of men in the industry and it's good to see that she got the resolution that she needed and to me this settlement is definitely an admission of guilt in my opinion 100% an admission of guilt um from my humble opinion personally but hey what do i know what do i know so moving on from that one let's talk about the asap rocky puma collection now it's an interesting one because when it was original originally announced if i'm not too if i'm actually let me actually get the it doesn't matter, I'm actually get the article up but when it was originally announced i had the feeling that it was a more substantial agreement like because obviously puma's got a long relationship with rihanna um and obviously them being together now maybe she kind of brought him in or they went to work with him anyway it kind of felt like they went to make a whole thing they went to flesh it out but i guess with the formula one being in las vegas they went to probably take advantage of that and kind of strike while the iron's hot and get something going out there in the time being so maybe this kind of explains why this looks so bad because it was rushed because i think it was announced the puma deal might have been announced in september let's say for 
you know, just let's just say to be charitable, that it was actually agreed or they was actually started working on a collection in July. It's still not a lot of time to put together a good first collection with all the resources Puma has, you know, whatever it may be. It's not the longest amount of time to actually put something decent out there. So that might explain why this shit looks so fucking terrible. Because I saw this and I thought to myself, you know what? It probably would have been better if you didn't do anything, you know? If you would have waited out the time properly and actually waited to put it out properly. Because what I've seen so far, it just... It just beggars belief that this was actually gone through some level of quality control and they thought this was actually the one that was going to put Puma back on the map and actually make it a culturally relevant brand because that's what basically they want, right? Because I'm sure Puma sales aren't bad. Um, I'm sure they do fairly well. But in terms of being culturally relevant, um, they're not really there, right? No one really talks about Puma in that regard. So when you collaborate with somebody like an ASAP Rocky or even a Rihanna, you're not doing it purely for sales. You're doing it a lot for like cultural cachet. You want the kids who buy all the hyped sneakers, all the kids that buy all the hyped um, limited edition brands out there. You want them to spend some of their money with Puma. And for me, I just don't think this is what is going to do it. Um, the best thing about this collaboration is the gloves. The best thing about the collaboration is the gloves, for sure, in my opinion. I think the gloves are the best thing about it, but gloves aren't going to be enough to save Puma because this shit looks terrible. You've got this um, face mask or this balaclava thing with holes in it, which looks very dated. It kind of reminds me of like um, Yeezy season one and two, right? Those looks with the holes on the sweats and stuff. But again, even, even the color, even the fucking... Even the fucking color, this beige, creamy color, again, is very reminiscent of early Yeezy. But again, that whole thing is completely dead. That's gone, been and gone. And why is it all holy? Why has it got all rips and holes all over it? Why not just make this balaclava, this face mask, this face mask thing? Why not just make it normal without all the holes? And it's, I think it's got holes in it and it's also been done to look like it's been put inside out. Why don't just make it normally with high quality materials without all the, dis the faux distressing and maybe take off the label or whatever it may be or just make it about the holes. Why does it have to have all this kind of ripped bits on it? Like it just doesn't make any sense. It looks absolutely disgusting. Then you got some more pictures here of Rocky doing the collection lookbook pictures. Again, I guess in New York, underneath the overpass with his vintage car and shit. It's just none of it makes sense or matches. You're not going to see anybody in Harlem wearing this stuff voluntarily. If you see anybody in New York wearing this stuff, they've definitely been seeded. 100% they've been seeded or they've got a stylist friend because this stuff is pants. Maybe the shoes are okay. I think these part of the collection, these kind of look like, not Sperrydons, but I forgot the model. There's a particular model that I'm thinking of. It's like a Stussy model that they put out a while back. These kind of look like those same Nike Stussy models from a while back. There's something about them. But the jeans, oh my God, the jeans. Maybe some of the most rancid things I've seen in my life. If you're not seeing these visually, they've got an outline of the Puma logo on the crotch area. So you know that whole, because I don't know about you guys, but I never actually liked those jeans from Bape or from, um, who was it, from Billionaire's Boy Club and shit, that era of putting the logo on the front of your crotch, I personally thought it was terrible, I always thought it was terrible, let me see if I can find it, um, it's like a, Bape, Bape, I think it's like Bape's to the jeans, remember, it's a baby name, but they had the, but they had the logo on the crotch, and I remember Billionaire's Boys Club also had it, Billionaire, Boys, Oh, was it ice cream? Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's ice cream. I think it was I billionaires. Sorry, let me see. Billionaires. Let me see if I can find it here. Billionaire. 
boys club ice cream jeans let's see if i can find these because i remember these coming out back in the day and that's the first time i remember seeing those logos yeah there we go on the crotch so as you can see here on this screen that's the first time i remember seeing these crazy big logos on the crotch from billionaire's boy club right this is um pharrell's brand if you remember the lore actually behind it um the reason why early bbc was really good billionaire boys club was because nigo made it nigo no nigo pharrell and ice cream um sorry nigo pharrell and skating the graphic designer for bait back in the day actually made this brand um you know as a trio and then of course pharrell fronted it that was during the infancy of their relationship but then you know when when nigo stepped away from designing and skating stopped designing and it came it became more of a pharrell thing in-house that's when it got really terrible personally uh being a boys club was usually i think from mistaken was the overarching brand and then ice cream was the skate team he had ice cream shoes whatever he had a skate team all that sort of stuff but i never liked this whole crotch logo thing i thought it always looked really gaudy and really terrible and bape also did it right bape also had the same thing they had yeah exactly see bape also had the same thing they had, they had a star they remember yeah they had these stars they had it on the front and whatever. I never liked these logos. I thought they always looked fucking terrible, in my personal humble opinion. So when I saw these jeans from Rocky, I thought, oh my God, they're disgusting. But they're made even more disgusting because these look like, I don't know, they look like um they look like workman's jeans or workman pants that have been made into a denim material with the logo on top of it. So you've got this gaudy outline of the Puma logo on the crotch that's too big, right? It's too big, it's spread across the entire crotch. It's also not centered. If that makes sense, maybe it's just me, but it doesn't look like a center. It looks like it needs to be nudged to the right a little bit. Maybe it's because of the tail, how it looks, but maybe, you know, what would actually work better? Maybe the the logo or the, you know, the actual spelling of Puma, P-U-M-A, in that old school blocky font might actually look better because it's four words, it's four letters, right? You can actually have two letters on this side, two letters on that side. It actually might balance it out better than the logo because the logo is a little bit spread, you know, it's a bit thin here and spread there. So it kind of doesn't look like it's been positioned correctly it kind of looks like it's kind of leaning too much to the left not to the right so i hate that hate the jacket hate that fucking banaclava thing the gloves are the best thing in the entire collection um one more image here and then you also got another banaclava and some and a racing jacket so if you actually look if you actually look if you actually look at the collection in close up it actually looks worse than what it's doing because this is the whole entire thing by the way right there's i think there's maybe a tracksuit as well included that's not features on here but this is the entire thing and to me it it doesn't even bother putting out like it's that bad it's legitimately maybe the worst thing i've ever seen in my entire life and it's really odd because i remember i think it's fashion roadman actually said it on fucking twitter the other day like considering how well asap rocky dresses this is really bad collection and it makes me wonder sometimes maybe if you dress terribly or you're very formulaic or very uni yeah uni is formulaic or, or no you've got some sort of uniform as how you dress like similar to like of rick owens right he always dresses the same um jw anson another one dresses the same um tom ford had particular you know they've got a particular way that they dress but they don't actually wear like the only one i can think of who actually wears outfits and goes crazy is mark jacobs right he's actually somebody that puts a lot of thought into his outfits he's always wearing different brands and shit and he's one of the best designers of all time but i think the majority of designers they have this tendency to kind of have a uniform that they kind of abide by even yeah you see him at the moment now walking around the world with barefooted and stuff but he's basically wearing the same garments again and again the oversized t-shirts the nice loose pants 
the bare feet or the close to you know no fucking soul unit on the feet the sock thing that he's wearing same sort of thing but maybe with rocky the fact that he's into so many designers and he um obviously loves clothes and he likes to dress and likes to you know put fucking looks together maybe all of that create there's too much creativity going into his looks and i you know brain power that it makes sense why when he's then asked to make his own collection it's really hard to make something original new or cool or even nice looking because of all that kind of creative energy is going into your outfits maybe that's the case or Maybe it's the case that he just isn't a, a designer, which is also pretty odd, right? To think of somebody that's that connected to clothes, who's that instrumental in like hyping or, you know, hyping up clothes and being somebody that people see as maybe a leader in that regard, especially when it comes to certain items and brands and being an ambassador to all these high level, you know, high fashion brands and amuse, blah, 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 to have no ability to like what you like in the high fashion world and then have ability to kind of synthesize into collection is really bizarre to me. I just can't imagine how this is possible. Like, how can you be a, you know, a Luebe ambassador, Bottega ambassador, Dior ambassador, uh, all this sort of shit. The only thing I don't think he hasn't been embraced by is maybe Balenciaga, maybe he doesn't like it. But it's interesting how all those kind of great brands, great designers, all those collaborations he's done, all the magazine covers, all the shoots, and he just hasn't been able to he hasn't been able to do this like why how 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 is this possible because this stuff just looks absolutely terrible to me and i can't understand why anybody would wear it personally it just looks gash like even this hat like all of this this stuff looks so dated the hat with the you know with all the rips and the patches and all the burn stuff it just looks like something from a few years ago the graphic design on this long sleeve top with the connecting gloves on it is very dated right this kind of um what y2k inspired flame type of stuff is already kind of gone and already pastiche if anything this formula one top looks like something boiler room would make this looks like boiler room or teletech if you know the promoters here in the uk who put on a lot of really cool techno parties and stuff they have a particular aesthetic and this kind of looks like something like a teletech would put together yeah or maybe a tech culture or like i said um, a fucking um, boiler room this is definitely a collection that they'd put together for their fucking fans to wear as club merch and then you got these denim shorts with this i don't know denim shorts with this tartan patch on the front I don't know what this is meant to be. Is this meant to be like a, uh, a, some sort of handkerchief that you can wipe your hands when you're working on your fucking truck, right? When you got your fucking hootie daddies on or whatever they're called, right? You got your fucking um, jean, jorts, skirt things on and then you what? You wipe the oil from all the fucking stuff they've been working on on this blanket thing. Tartan thing is odd. The gloves are quite cool, but even the gloves, they look like goalie gloves. They don't even look like racing gloves. They look a bit too thick to be gloves that you'd wear if you were going to drive a car and stuff. There's too much padding, too much space in them. Even the gloves don't look like they've been well made, you know? Maybe it's just me. They're, they're, they're not taut enough, you know, to wear date on a daily basis. They just look too gigantic. And then you've got this random Yeezy-inspired um, balaclava with what looks like to be like a keychain from a car keys or something. Like, what is that? It just doesn't make any sense. It looks fucking terrible. Really, some of the worst stuff I've seen. And it's unfortunate because I'm a big fan of Rocky. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate that he hasn't been able to kind of... This This also might explain, sorry. This also might explain why Rocky has never really put out his own collection. 
maybe he knows deep down he's not that guy because it's something that you don't see too often someone that dresses well who has no ability to design and i don't mean design for collection but just to put out stuff that they might like because there's some people out there who've got great style who have maybe holes in their wardrobe and then they use an opportunity to have a collab to fill those holes so maybe they'll say hey i always wanted a jean jacket that fit a particular way I always wanted a leather trench coat that looked a particular way. I always wanted pants that sat a particular way. I always wanted hats that look like you just have these holes in your regular wardrobe. You want to fill them and then you have the opportunity comes along where you this, you have the opportunity to collaborate with a big brand like Puma. They have all the resources in production and manufacturing to get the job done. So all you have to do is basically just figure out the things that you're missing and then kind of get it done. And then you say, you know what? Well, you know, I've always wanted, I've always wanted like a, a really nice quality coach jacket and you make one with Puma that's got all the things that you like maybe it's got an elasticated bottom maybe it's got you know um zips instead of snap buttons maybe the snap buttons are made high quality or a particular type of steel or a particular type of metal finish maybe there's a logo on the back maybe it's thermal lined maybe it's Gore-Tex whatever it may be you figure out things but I just can't think of why you'd want this but maybe I've just said it maybe I figured it out there just speaking aloud maybe Rocky has so many clothes he doesn't have any holes in his wardrobe. It's almost impossible for him to make something because he's got too much things. You know, he's got too many options in his you know, wardrobe because you can imagine his wardrobe is probably stacked. It's hard to figure out holes because he's got everything that he wants. And if he doesn't have it, he can just go out and buy it. So maybe that's the reason why the collection is so horrible because he doesn't, he, ne he generally doesn't have a hole in his wardrobe because he has legitimately unlimited resources especially between him and rihanna or just him on his own especially with his connections and the fact that he's one of the only few hip-hop artists that have been embraced by the high fashion world and shit he's probably got an un you know he's probably got a, a pool that could rival some of the best girlies out there so maybe that's the reason why the stuff just isn't hitting but for me it looks fucking terrible it looks fucking gash and i hate every single thing about it the most offensive thing for me is definitely the jeans the jeans might be the most offensive thing they kind of look like carpenter pants. They also look like workwear pants, construction, you know, construction guy, bin guy type of pants with the stripes on the middle here. They've, they kind of, they, I don't know what these little bits of fabric loose on their sides are meant to be. Maybe you can, maybe you can tighten them up and kind of make them, you know, maybe they've got some sort of elastic or you can pull them in or something. I don't really know. Um, the denim finish look thing is horrendous. The label is horrendous. Maybe it's a zip actually. Maybe you can zip them off. Maybe they're zipped off. Maybe you can zip them here and make them to shorts or zip them here and make them into jorts. I don't really know. The logo there is terrible. The logo on the fucking crotch is horrendous. I hate every single thing about this. Legitimately one of the worst things I have seen in my entire life. Honestly, honestly is shocking. And um, yeah, man, I'm surprised that he put this out. But, you know, <laughs> what can you do? Maybe the bag was that, you know, was so fat he couldn't turn it down. The bag was so fat. It was like, you know what? Let me just put this out there and hope the fans are okay with it because the bag was just too fucking fat. Maybe that's the whole point of it. I'm not really too sure, but it looks absolutely shocking. And I don't think anybody can make this stuff look good. Not even Rocky. Even Rocky couldn't make this stuff look good. And again, the best thing about it is the gloves, but I don't think even him, even him and his infinite wisdom could not make this stuff look good. I swear to God he couldn't because it just looks so, 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 so shocking. Let's see some more pictures here, courtesy of Over and Under. You've got a picture of him standing in front of his um, yellow Hummer. 
he's actually made that Hummer look kind of cool to be fair because I, I think we think Hummers look kind of gaudy and a little bit too OTT but he actually drives that Hummer like a daily driver I'm sure he probably got it for free anyway but um he actually makes that Hummer look really cool I'm not sure if it's an EV Hummer I'm not too sure if it's the electric version but regardless he loves that yellow bumblebee looking Hummer thing that he has so that's him standing in front of the Hummer and again wearing those jeans okay so those straps I was talking about it looks like from this picture here those straps are velcro so you can you can kind of cinch the jeans they're even worse they look like velcro straps so you can kind of cinch the trousers and make them a bit cinched like why would you want to wear denim jeans that have cinches just underneath your bum and across your like why would you want them why would you want to cinch the jeans here and there awful again the shoes look decent they're kind of Eastern European inspired. If you have an Eastern European community um, where you live, you would have known there was a particular type of Puma or Lonsdale shoes that all those Eastern European dogs used to love. And these look like the same ones. They're kind of um, really slow. Um, they've got kind of astroturfy grip on the outside. And they've got this like strap that you can kind of tighten on top of them. So that's how they basically look. Again, absolutely gaudy and disgusting. That jacket is okay. But again, the logo, the color, it looks fucking awful. He's got some sort of like pearly, bejeweled um, face mask thing going on over there. Uh, <laughs> game breed. Take the Hummer to Tune Town. <laughs> what? To, to Tune Wheels. <laughs> uh, the glove. Yeah, like I said, the gloves are the best thing about it, but I think the gloves are too. They look like goalie gloves. Maybe these black ones, they, make, they need to be a little bit more slivet or slivet, whatever that fucking word is. They need to kind of fit a little bit closer to the skin, like mechanic gloves or something. They, they look a little bit too chunky for me. There's anything I don't like about them personally. Um, but the gloves are probably the best thing about the entire collection. This long sleeve thing with the gloves connected, miss me with that shit. Again, very, very dated, very whatever. Um, what was that French brand that existed for a while? Um, that had that top with the half moon crescent thing it kind of reminds me of that but that's kind of been and gone that whole thing and obviously Balenciaga is, is kind of synonymous with that look now with the shirt that connects to a glove thing but again I'm not a fan of those um and then we also got here come on move on and then we've got yeah the face mask like yeah you can miss me with all this shit I hate all of it I think it looks horrendous but I'll be surprised if maybe it actually sells out if this actually sells out then it's going to really do me for a loop if this actually does end up selling out. But yeah, for me, I don't like any of it. I think it looks all terrible. The shoes here look, don't look too bad. Those shoes on that picture actually look quite cool. Let me actually zoom into those shoes. Those shoes look quite cool. So maybe the shoes and the gloves, I could probably have the sneakers here look really interesting. Like it's almost like a, is that a sock or sneaker? I don't really know. It looks like a sock, but it could be actually a snow. It's actually a sneaker. It's actually a really thin sock looking sneaker. That looks really futuristic and cool. Maybe it's a slipper or something, but these look really cool. I like the way that these look. I'm not going to lie. Oh, look, he's putting his middle finger up. It's so edgy. Hardcore. Guy, you're in your 30s, man. Allow it, bro. Middle finger being like, come on, come on, bro. Come on. Again, not for me. Not for me. Not for me. Not for me. 
Anyway, that has been the Agassino Zinger Show, episode number 726. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company, as per usual. If you've enjoyed the live show, if you've enjoyed the podcast, whatever you've enjoyed, please make sure that you let me know via the links that are going to be available in the description. Links to my socials, link to the Patreon, all that good stuff. You can there find it. If you're listening to this via the podcast app, please make sure, please make sure if you listen to the podcast app, that you do leave me a five-star review on the podcast platforms. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, so people can find this stream or find the podcast and like it as much as you do and if you're listening to this with the audio application you will hear my tune today um playing underneath my voice if you're not listening to this via the tune be that audio side of things what are you doing make sure you subscribe to the audio podcast if you can to see my tune of the day but if you're watching this via live stream only on youtube this will fade to black and i'll see you guys again another time but for now take care everybody peace out thank you for joining 26 on my third GQ cover Your new shit sound like you do covers Or all of my old shit, oh shit I'm devoted to making sure that shit goes unnoticed Swear you niggas is hopeless I should run a clinic for niggas that think they winning on some cold shit 50 M's for a three month road trip I see straight through them like fish tanks with no fish in them Drizzy still got some 06 in them IRS all in my books getting they mat lock on All this capital is like I left the caps lock on It's like every time I plot a return I seem to shift the game See, I can still talk keys without pitching cane Pay yourself and owe yourself Before you come to my city, just know yourself Know where you at I'm good in every town I'ma be there doing shows where you at The lights hitting, women screaming like Jodeci's back, nigga But that, that's where all this, that's where the feeling is That's where all this shit comes from, man I mean, like, the music that you and I used to listen to uh, Was just absolutely phenomenal Because we went through it all we went through everything. I remember you loved Jodeci. I yeah. mean, like, you studied. Yeah, you even made me. Your money is just a little Barney's co-op for you to be trying to show out. I'm in your girl ear planting seeds like a grow-out. We move the operation to Cali soon as the snow drop. Oh, stop, please stop arguing about who's the best MC. I think everyone would agree they know that you're not. I know I'm a short shot. Middle finger poking you in your sore spot. Balls sound like I'm under oath, nigga. I comedy central roast niggas and turn them to ghost niggas. Either I'm getting bigger or you're just getting smaller. Or it's both, nigga. I'm just as unforgiving as most niggas. You bit the hand, now starve. It's not a joke, nigga. I hang you with it after I teach you the ropes, nigga. Oh, well. Bitches paint OVO on their toenails. And show up at the show, the after party in the hotel That five star in your city, they know where we at I hit the lobby, women screaming like Jodeci's back, nigga Jodeci back Bitches screaming like Jodeci back I call the front desk for condoms, she saying they ain't got none The way that I'm responding, she know that we black, nigga Fuck you, man, Jodeci back Fucking hoes like Jodeci back I paint pictures and flip words A nigga would have thought their poetry back Cold, rooftop, hoes turned up Looking for your bitch, bet she won't turn up Wonder where she is, fuck could she be? She's a hoe, she's a slut, she's a freak Heard a couple niggas hating, but them fuck niggas weak Count a hundred thousand dollars like it sucks to be me Ain't that what you wanted? Stuntin' on you niggas Came in this game, never frontin' on you niggas Gave your heart and soul Stories of my pain Felt naked cause I laid it all My glory and my shame Caught fire just to have niggas ignore me in my flame About to burn down the house They tryna pull me in the rain No! Fuck your list, you lame niggas and doubters I'm undoubtedly the hottest And that's just me being modest Go check the numbers, dummy That's just me getting started I'm artistic, you...
hold your applause Who gives a poker face when you joke and show me your cards? David and Goliath taking on the giants No need for pause when I tell you my ball's bigger than yours Cole, no false guys Young Mike playing against the mind stars Tapping in the 94.9s Or that 96J Or that chronic shit Drake Which was really just Slim Shady I'm silly, my pen crazy Today I'm out in Philly My fans waiting for 12 hours Just to get their dollar sign Thought stream like I'm Spotify Trench coat flow, bottom line Till he's too cool for school niggas I'm Colin Pine